Soy Power Podcast is a free podcast made possible by the support of our awesome Patreon sponsors. Head to toypowerpodcast.com and see how you can help. Welcome to Toy Power, the podcast where we talk toys and everything pop culture. G'day, I'm Trent, and it is wonderful to have your company today for episode one, four, two. This week on Toy Power, we jump into Ben's Melbourne adventure, hit up all the latest news, take a look at the Adelaide Toy and Comic Fair, and then jump into a Joker movie review. Joining me today in the Toy Power studio, we've got Frank, well, hoy, hoy. Ben, g'day, g'day. and Darren. Hello, everyone. And an awesome special thanks and shout out to the listener community for correcting us, picking us up yeah. on some mistakes that we made in our past episode. And that's when we did our segment on toy lines that didn't have television or media tie-ins. And um, first up, thanks to Haley and Michaela Jackson for showcasing us their childhood VHS of Barnyard Commando. So. There you go, Barnyard Commandos had a TV show and it made it all the way to VHS. And also a big thanks to Joel McMullen who provided us with a link to YouTube proving that Ring Raiders also had a short-lived cartoon. Massive shout out to the listeners for getting in touch and pointing out that we we missed it. Like, there, there you go. And it just furthers the evidence that most toy lines did have media yeah, tie-ins. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that really is the exception to the rule. Exactly. Very cool. On that note, Ben, we're going to jump in and hear about your Melbourne Odyssey. And there yeah. was a lot yeah. of toy value in I, this trip. I packed in a lot. So, yeah, last week, uh, as of this recording last week, I uh, ventured to Melbourne, which was amazing with the family. Uh, we stayed in Braybrook, which is West Melbourne, close to Footscray. I did reach out to some of the Facebook friends. I did... Um, reach out to uh, the Geek Dudes guys and I said, hey guys, I'm going to be in Melbourne. Anyone live around uh, Foots, uh, Braybrook and things? And they said, oh, it's a bit far, but you know we might be able to make something work. And in reality, with the kids and driving around and Too the, much. The, just the roads in Melbourne not, not familiar, mm. I, I didn't catch up with anyone. So I apologise to the vast majority of everyone um, that it just it was just too complicated in the end. Uh, so I, uh, family and myself, we hit up Legoland on the first day, which is at Discovery Centre at Chadston Shopping Mall. Uh, that was epic. You walk in, the pretty much the first thing other than the actual Lego store that you see is last year's um, Lego Masters uh, winners and their display of the... Uh, oh, the Poseidon. Um, Henry and Cade yeah. with the yeah. Poseidon. So, yeah. Fighting the sea serpent. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So they had that on display, um, took a few photos. That was epic to see in person. Uh, the rest of the place was pretty cool, very kid-friendly. So for us going, we wouldn't get as much out of it as as a, uh, my girls are seven and uh, five. They had a ball, like yeah. kids' rides, master build uh, thing that, you know, they made a little UFO, which to us, we would take five seconds to do, but for them, that was really <laughs> a cool. A master build. They built it, and then they got the opportunity to make whatever they wanted out of it. Wonderful. So that was really cool. Uh, they had um, two or three playground areas, lots to, uh, of build things to look at and uh, see, but not on the scale that we, 
you know, uh, are used to in the 80s and 90s that mm-hmm. we used to see in Legoland. Like, they're just sort of little cities and things like that that I think think they update every now and again. So then the next day we went to High Point Shopping Mall and they've got That's Hot Collectibles, which I've got to shout out. They've got a glass window full of statues and high-end collectibles. They were really cool. Saw the one-quarter scale uh, Ninja Turtle uh, sort of movie-esque statues. Yes. Uh, that are, Prime Studios. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. look sick. They were yeah. they were Amazing. very high up, so I, every time I took a photo, I got all the windows glare, yeah. Yeah. so I could never get a shot, but just in person, seeing them, they were unreal. So, um, And that was the quality of collectibles they had on display and uh, nice. fair, uh, very big eye candy. Yeah. Right? Definitely yeah. uh, very cool. Uh, hit up the city. We went to All Star Comics. That's where I uh, wanted to go. Upstairs, one of the coolest laid out uh, comic stores around the place, in my opinion. They've got all this uh, vintage memorabilia, Soundwave, uh, cassette box and uh, boom boxes and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, My Little Pony, big jumbo characters and whatever else all around the tops of the uh, comics. Not for sale, it's just his personal collection, just to cool. sort of uh, spruce up the store, so mm. to speak. But upstairs they've got a vintage wall uh, uh, where they've got people who can buy the cabinets or put ca- uh, their toys in there and sell them. And that was cool. I wanted to get... They were a little bit on the high-priced uh, yeah. side. Mm. But I th- believe they had a 20% off sale a few weeks ago. So okay. I, I think all the best stuff was picked. Yeah. And uh, I was left with sort of the, the leftovers. I was very keen on a Mr. Freeze uh, for Superpowers. $150. And I just, Loose yeah, Mr. Freeze? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, I couldn't... Pricey. I wanted him, but... Realistically, all I need is the helmet. I still remember when he was two ninety five at Get a Bargain yeah. in nineteen eighty seven. Unfortunately, none of us here have a time machine, Darren. So <laughs> we are paying the big prices yeah. of yeah. two thousand and nineteen. Yeah. So that was probably my one thing I wanted, but yeah. everything else was cool to see and uh, uh, eye candy galore as well. Had the jumbo uh, Shogun Godzilla uh, thing. Oh, I couldn't yeah. see the price on that, but that was cool just to see in person. Uh, Lobo's collectibles. That was the the reason I sort of said yes. Let's go on this trip as long as I can go to Lobo's. They are fantastic. They, I went to their new store first time I've been to their new store. Uh, third time I visited Lobo's first time in the new store. They were amazing. That they, they are uh, very. They are quite expensive, but for it's a time capsule like of vintage toys. Like nice. I, I could have spent over a day there just looking at things and just I I took heaps of photos check out the Facebook page yeah. uh, let that tell the story of my little uh, travels I only bought a few things but that was also because I had to fit it fit what I bought into a car full of you know kids <laughs> everything and else and, yeah uh, luggage and that so um, I had to be careful what I uh, bought um, then we went to the museum and I've got to write I rate the museum so highly because uh, with my latest uh, enthusiasm towards dino riders, <laughs> seeing all the dinosaur bones <laughs> really gave me an, a, uh, a glimpse of actually how big they were, right? Sir, can you please come down from the dinosaur? <laughs> yeah. Do not ride on the dinosaur. But, but I've got down. to put the brain box on <laughs> it. That's it. I'll, I'll, I'll reenact the rule ons yep. taking over. Um, my big shout out was the Quetzalcoatlus, which is the big flying dinosaur. And they that thing was hanging from the ceiling, right? And they had pterodactyls and things hanging from the ceiling as well. That Quetzalcoatlus has a 12-meter wingspan, right? Jeez. So that works out to 39-foot wingspan. That just dwarfed all the other dinosaurs there. Yeah. Even they had a, an, a medium size or a baby T-Rex. That even dwarfed wow. that. Like, it was just insanely a huge Massive. wingspan. 
and and because of you know my recent passion towards dinosaurs, that's the the yellow and black uh, bird dinosaur with the um, crocodile uh, Rulon figure, and I, I was just blown away at actually how big that thing is, and I could relate to it. Yeah, and you could see an actual alien riding on it. Pretty so, well, so. They, after they asked me to get off, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. it was just insane, and uh, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was all go from the time we got up to the time we got home at night. Uh, four days uh, well spent um, traveling around Melbourne and nice. yeah, doing the whole touristy thing and yeah, it was awesome. Good so, job. Excellent. Mm. Have to get over there. Yeah, yeah, highly recommend. Wonderful. All right, let's head into our next segment. Three, two, one. Cue music. So what have you got for me? All right, so this one might be a little bit dated now, but we did uh, a little bit earlier. Super 7 showed off more pictures of their upcoming Ninja Turtles uh, Ultimate sorry, line that they're calling it. And we've seen the figures before. This time we got to look at all the accessories they come with, and I do mean all the accessories. One of the big questions around this was, you know, they wanted to try and emulate the weapons rack look you got from the 80s toys, but at the same time you would you want modern day paint applications on them how do they do this you just get two of everything oh basically. yes you get you get the, the the single cast color with the weapon rack where they're still attached and then you get modern day painted versions of, of all the things and i was like you know what uh we've sort of talked about the price a little bit how these are certainly in the upper echelon of your, your six inch figures and, and the cost that justifies it for me i'm like do you know what that appeases all sorts of fans, the ones who want a modern day interpretation of their original toys, as well as I just want a replica of the 1988 stuff. Looking so, up to the name Ultimates. Absolutely. So yeah. I thought that was a very, very slick way to, to do that and cannot wait for mine. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we've got the Gremlins by Loot Crate, or shall I say Gremlins, the Loot Crate by Necker. So the six inch Gremlin figure with two exclusive outfits. We've got the Flasher. With he's wearing the raincoat and the flash dance top with the leg warmers, very 80s looking indeed. Comes with a ton of other accessories for other grem necker gremlins. He's got poker chip pile, he's got a bow tie, a visor, sort of a poker visor, a mallet, hand puppet, fedora, bonus interchangeable hands, sunglasses, frosty mug of beer cigarettes and playing cards Can, do you really need anything else no. this uh, item needs 3,000 backers by the November 17th it's going to cost 50 bucks US plus shipping fully loaded uh, fully funded will arrive spring 2020 so get excited yeah I think that's a done deal with the quality of that set and the accessories so you get a gremlin with that as well as all the accessories or you, yes, or you get yeah. two. You, no, I, I'm not sure. It's one gremlin with the, like the flash yes. dance and the, oh, yeah, nice. I believe so. Yeah, I, I think they're uh, really pushing the uh, their products into the loot crate, yeah. and I'm, I'm not sure if you get anything else now through uh, with the package deals uh, they're offering. Yep, yep. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, mm, it looks good. Very cool. Some big news on the Masters of the Universe film front. And this is all rumour, so take it with a pinch of salt. But it looks like Sony may be considering selling it to Netflix. So this may be an explanation as to why the film has fallen somewhat silent as of recent times. 
how do we all feel if He-Man and the Masters of the Universe gets a streaming service release instead of the full-blown movie motion picture in theaters release? Darren, we might start with you. And you've got to keep this to one sentence. <laughs> Absolutely devastated. It's a crushing buy for me. I've been waiting for Master of the Universe to return to cinema since 1987. And to find out that Sony don't want to do that, uh, or might not want to do that, they want to um, send it on to Netflix. To me, that would be a disaster. We only have to look at the Shira Cardigan currently on Netflix to see that it is a Target exclusive toy line. And, you know, as far as getting Masters back into the mainstream, this is not how to do it. Give it to another studio. Oh, yeah. big, big hole. I don't think there's anything better than a going to the cinema screen and seeing a movie. Like, it's that whole experience and things. I think if this is sold to Netflix, I'd, rather than a movie, I would rather see a TV series, a long-lasting yep. Game of Thrones style, many, multiple seasons, Live action, please. That's um, but oh, yeah. yeah, it has Good to call. be has to be a TV series if they're going to go to Netflix and really flesh out the stories rather than just wham bam, thank you, man. There's our movie. Yep. Uh, well, they've got the animated promotion. Series. The animated yeah. series is coming to Netflix anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it seems a strange partner to that. Yeah. Yeah. Look, my wife made the point. She, uh, the guy in in the role of He Man, Noah Centino. He is uh, a Netflix boy anyway. You you go through his IMDb list and 90% of the stuff he's been in has gone straight to Netflix. So she said, hold, it kind of makes sense to me. And I'm like, well, I'd, I'd think if this comes to pass, you're not going to see toys on the shelf, plain and simple. Like how many Netflix... They won't prop- come to Australia. Well, yeah, there, there's not many Netflix exclusive properties that hit mass market retail. I mean, Stranger Things is probably the exception. Beyond that, I can't think of too many. But that's a very collector-esque... It is. True. If you get He-Man on Netflix, it'll be only... This, we'll be buying it from the same sites we're buying from now. Correct. It won't. You won't not see it on retail Correct. shelves. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Sony, what are you doing? You're a studio to make motion pictures. <laughs> Stop selling off your IP and getting other companies to make the films for you. Sure, it diversifies your risk profile... But what are you doing? You're meant to be making films. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Well said. Well said. <laughs> All right, going back to a little bit, quick little bit of Turtles news. The Fouche actually got what appears to be the first uh, market look at the new NECA Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle 2 packs with the animated stylings. They had a whole bunch, a whole gallery of all the photos and uh, of all the turtles and stuff, sorry. These are the light green ones, so these are Wave 2. The big one is, of course, the uh, photos of Bebop and Rocksteady, which looked absolutely amazing. And something we didn't realize until these pics came out, they've got articulated jaws. I right? know. Which That's, cool. ah. That's got to be and a it, first day for those two characters. I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah I can't think of any other precedents for it. That's yeah. very cool. And so. it looked seamless yes. when they were open. You know, yeah. you just you didn't know it was there, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's some high-end sculpting to work that into not mess up the kind of look of the figures. Yeah, very, very exciting. Keen as. Okay, Space Marine Drake is the newest addition to NECA's Kenner tribute line, hailing not only from the classic Aliens film, but actually this design takes reference off the toy design of the early 1990s. Drake stands approximately 7 inches tall and features a massive smart gun accessory. The figure is highly poseable with nearly 30 points of articulation. It also comes with a special blade attachment that connects to the barrel of the smart gun of the figure or the figure's back, just like uh, the Kenner one toy version did as well. 
The packaging is an homage to the classic Kenner art featuring custom illustrations and a colour palette reminiscent of the toy shelves of the early 90s. Shipping date, February 2020. Mm, He does look very, very nice. All right, some movie news now. An Australian actress, Samara Weaving, is all set to play Scarlet in the upcoming G.I. Joe spin-off, Snake Eyes. The storyline will follow Snake Eyes as he seeks revenge for his father's death by joining a ninja clan. And in the process of this, he does hope to find acceptance. The film is being directed by Robert Schwenktickle, based on the screenplay by Evan Spilopotopoulos. Oh, you've done well. Oh, man, man. I've well butchered done. those names. You've Sorry, done, well, you've done well better than Cooper, what I really. Yeah, it's <laughs> so true. And I'll just say about Samara Weaving, she's actually the niece of, uh, the niece of Hugo. I was going to ask that. She yeah, is. Yeah. Nice. yeah, she's done a lot of stuff, actually. Her, her started off, uh, I think, in... in Home and Away. No, I think even before breakfast. that, there was another Australian television series she did. Okay. Which one was it? Um, sea change was, something like that yeah it might have been yeah. something like that around the twist or nah, something. <laughs> well it was her very first role right. yeah, yeah so yeah. but she's done a lot of cool stuff and uh, yeah I think she'll she's she'll, on the up and up and this is a big thing for her I, I hope it goes well yeah uh, so I've got another name to try and challenge me Lorenzo Di Bonaventura and Brian Goldner will be producing so yeah very excited to see the bit more G.I. Joe in cinemas we did wonder what the future of the G.I. Joe toy line would be, and there's some sort of speculation that it was kind of not going to be marketed to kids anymore because I guess we don't market war and commando-type thing to kids in this day and age. So it'll be interesting with the spin-off, one, to see kind of how they treat the story, and then two, to see what they do in terms of toy times. It's it's clever in a way, if I'm looking at it in the uh, right direction that you could probably get away with selling ninjas yep. on, on in, yeah. the re, in retail yep. with swords and, and pack the occasional gun in because he does have an Uzi and things and uh, in the original toy and then branch off things like Scarlet and things. She's got a crossbow and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, so you can branch off to some of the heavy hitters like Rock and Roll who's got a big bazooka style uh, machine, machine gun. gun yeah. And uh, so you could probably you know get away with it under a sort of ninja-esque line with the main characters having mainly swords and things so you might be able to get away with that but I can't envision a full army men style line with with nothing but uh, machine guns and things and then the odd uh, knife or something like that no good call so Warner Brothers have selected Zoe Kravitz to play Selena Kyle um, also known as Catwoman in the new Batman film with Robert Pattinson in the title role Jeffrey Wright who is playing um, Commissioner Gordon and Jonah Hill was rumoured to be in talks for the villain uh, for a villain role, but I, I heard as of today that he's exited. Yeah, um, and there's another guy that's been rumoured to be the Riddler. Se- um, Seth Rogen was it? Really? Nah, it's no, another guy. there's another guy I don't recognise. But looking at him, he's one of these people who he's got a he's probably you know sort of twenty late twenty something, but yeah. he doesn't have a chin like you know a lot of these Hollywood guys have the really chiselled jawline. He doesn't. He looks like a very sort of soft doughy not. Felt like he's slim, but I'm like, you look at him and go, put a green hat and spectacles on him. Yeah, yeah he, he would look. Like he looks Riddler. like the Joker. Yeah, uh, Riddler, it's a name. Riddler. It's a name I hadn't heard, but he had been in in things. Stuff. Okay, yeah. Cool. yeah. And as we've heard before, the film is directed by Matt Reeves from a script by Matt Reeves and um, Matson Tomlin. Sorry, Dylan Clark and Matt Reeves are producing with Michael Eastland as executive producer. Production starts in January. 
um, in London and UK with a um, feature release expected on June 25th, 2021. There's which... that name, Michael E. Uslan. Yes. <laughs> if, uh, if any of you quiz-minded people remember back yes. to Darren's quiz, there is. He's producing another film. He is. Well, he produced, he's everywhere. He produced Joker, funnily enough. He's... Um, He's had his finger in every pie. He's a man to watch because without him, there'd be no Batman on the big screen. There you go. <laughs> and, and shout out to Zoe Kravitz, who is Lenny Kravitz's daughter. Is that right? Yes. The, uh, yeah, yeah. the music man. Are yeah. you going my way, Zoe Kravitz? Well, I was going... wondering American that. woman. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was going to go with. Yeah. Yeah, or Gotham good. woman, shall we call her. I think Zazie Beetz was up for this role, but she oh. had a conflict schedule. So Zazie Beetz obviously appeared in The Joker and was ear Domino in look at that yeah. podcast listeners ben can't agrees. see this but yeah. there is a grin yeah. on Ben's face <laughs> from ear to ear okay we are now going to head into our next segment which is a wrap from the Adelaide Toy and Comic Fair so we do want to sh- shout out some big thank yous and I know Darren you've probably got a big thank you everyone's got a big thank you for one of our our good friends of Toy Power absolutely a big thank you to Scott who assisted me in talking with some of the people at the Comic and, and Toy Fair. We did some interviews that we will be showcasing later on on the show with, with some really interesting people, people that were selling at the fair or, or had some stories, or people like Brett and Sarah that were involved in putting on the fair. So big thanks to Scott. And, and I know other people um, had some really good good um, working relationships with Scott that day as well. So so we can't thank him enough for everything he did for us on the day and for the show in the greatest scheme of things. Yeah, he was more or less the, the fifth unofficial member. He was he was back behind the tables and when one of us needed to, and myself and Ben were selling, and if one of us needed to duck out to the loo or whatever, he's like, yep, I'll look after the table. Yep. And it was going around with, with you, Darren, with the interviews and stuff. And he was repping one of our T-shirts as well. Yes, so he was yeah. very on brand. Like, yeah, well, thanks a lot. And he even helped us pack up at the end of the day. Yes, like, what, yep. a, what a gentleman. So yep. mad respect. Absolutely. He helped broker us an interview too because he actually knew some of the people people or one of the tables that I didn't. So, oh, nice. Yeah, so he helped broker that by sort of selling the virtues of, of being on Toy Power. So, yeah, we can't thank <laughs> The salesman too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, can, our, what can't you do? Our chief marketeer. <laughs> yeah, look, from a, a selling point of view, um, and we, again, to Darren's point, we have got some footage we recorded on the day, which we're going to drop as a sort of a midweek episode. Uh, look, really, really great day. We've, we've spoken before about the, the newer Marden venue and how it's just nice. It's uh, a lot more room to, to, to breathe. There was, despite some sort of last-minute pullouts from the, the sell- vendor's point of view, it didn't feel like there was large gaps or anything. Everyone uh, had a shot and, and had space to, to breathe. I did a lot more selling than buying, uh, though the latest scores that I did pick up, we're going to go through a bit later on. Um, but yeah, like I... Probably the one funny story I can sort of translate from that is uh, I had a lady uh, sort of oh, probably, you know, 40 something looking for something for her son. And he said, oh, she said, do you have AstroTrain? I was like, do you know what? I'd never get asked for AstroTrain. I got a lot of, do you have Optimus? Do you have Soundwave? All this sort of, AstroTrain's not one you get asked for a lot. Uh, and I found this, it was a, a Voyager size one from one of the more modern lines and so here you go and then she was actually even looking at the instructions to see what he looked like in each mode i'm like oh that's that's attention to detail and this particular one turned into more the 
Japanese bullet train type look. She's like, oh, I'm actually after looking for one that's more of an old school locomotive. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I think there's one in that blue tub there. Just have a dig around and I'm pretty sure he's in there. 15 minutes later, she's still digging and I'm sort of, and in the meantime, you know, I'm dealing with other sales and stuff like that and she's still there and I'm like, found it? No, 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 no. Oh, well, maybe try that tub over there. By this stage, I'm like, do you know what? Maybe I've sold him. We've been a pretty busy day. Another 10 minutes later, she's still there. I'm like, all right, now I feel bad. So I'm got, I know exactly what I'm looking for, of course. Dig, dig, dig. Sure enough, right at the very bottom of this tub that's about two feet tall. And I go, oh, this is the one here. And again, she looked at the instructions, looked at that. Oh, and it was kind of a locomotive, but a lot less bullet train than the other one. And she's like, oh, uh, I'll, I'll think about it and, run, and walks off. And I'm like... Oh man, that just like, and I get it. She was very particular about what she wanted, but at the same time, I was like, that was a lot of effort for not much return. (laughs) She probably after the G one. Well, yeah, that's probably what she was. She was had in her in her mind, and I said, look, I don't have any of the original stuff. These are the more modern takes on the character. Um, yeah, I was really hoping to be able to, to help her because she picked an obscure character. I was able to... Uh, well, you found two Astro Trains. Yeah, That's I know. Your I... job done, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. What was the other one we had? There was a guy that came around going, I'm looking for this particular toy line. Oh, it was... Uh... It was a really obscure one. And you actually had one of the figures from it. Do you remember? Uh, I, I, I remember... Power Rangers? No. No, it, it was, was really obscure. More... And, oh, mental blank at the moment. Yeah. yeah, but he was an older guy, and he was like, "Oh, have you got any of this?" And I'm like, "Actually, I do. I've got this character." And he's like, "Oh, I'm actually after another one, or I've got this one." Yeah. I, I, it was um. Oh. oh. No. 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 Okay. <laughs> it'll come. It'll, it'll come to, it'll me come to you when we yeah. go. It's in the but... middle of, of something yeah. else. Ah. Yeah. You wake up at three a.m. tonight. But it's like I, I go. I bet you you'll go around. Real Ghostbusters. Was it, it real Ghostbusters? No. Oh. No, it wasn't. Like, like, oh, no, you know what it was? Ghostbusters, filmation no, Ghostbusters. No, no, it wasn't. It was Robotech. Yes. And it was, oh, he was, yeah. he was looking for the Zentradi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, here's one. And he's like, oh, I've got it. And I'm like, you're going to go around this whole fair yeah. and you're not going to find another single yeah. one of those. Because <laughs> yeah. they're, they're pretty obscure yeah. in oh, Australia sure. in particular. Massively. You just don't yeah. see them very and, often. And it's, what, 35 years old now. Yeah. So, toy line. Good luck uh, finding. Um I everyone's after Masters. Everyone came to yeah, me you did knowing well. that I'm a big uh, Masters fan, and I got cleaned up very quickly. Scott uh, took a lot from me, a big chunk of uh, my <laughs> Masters. Uh, I wish I had more, you know. And I've I've had the same prices on those toys for I've been carrying around those things for years. Yeah. And uh, every these sort of things, I dust off my box and take it out and uh, open it up and I, I don't know what I've still got in there <laughs> but I don't have much left I'll tell you that right much right now uh, so yeah it was good that's ev- a good thing though mm. it is it, it's, it shows there's still popularity and it's still got a, a um, excitement in the line mm. uh, I did take my second T-Rex uh, in and I think that sold within one minute of the doors opening yep. a lot of people really asking for dino riders yes, yes. Yep. Yeah. so it's hot I reckon yeah, yeah that, that and Masters, it's a, they're good calls yeah. for what people are after. And I think it's really interesting. Your box is a really interesting test of kind of what's happening with the market because you'd almost say two, three years of that thing going around, people had taken what they want and mm. kind of got 
what they needed. There's definitely another group entering the fray that are going, wow, there's that. That's well-priced. I'm going to clean up. And even, like, I've been carrying around two short boxes of comics for for three, four years now, right? And I reckon over the last three or four years, I've had them $2 each or three for $5, right? Which I think is pretty darn uh, Mm. good value. They're all modern comics, so then you're not going to find anything from the... Um, 70s or 80s in there uh, even 90s it's all sort of millennium onwards sort of mm-hmm. thing so and it ranges from tra- all, all the toy lines I collect it's replicated in comic form yeah. doubles and things lots that I've got uh, the only 80s ones you'll find is G.I. Joe I've got a ton of spares G.I. Joe so this time around I'm like I'm sick of carrying these damn boxes around <laughs> they're going to be a dollar each half price on any bundles that I've got so if I've got a trade paperback and it's priced as ten dollars have it for five. I don't nice. care. Just get I want to get rid of it, right? One guy dropped seventy dollars on GI wow. Joe comics, oh. like everything from vintage to new. And I, got, I mean, I think I counted maybe seventy-three. I'm just like, have the lot for yeah. seventy bucks, mate. You know, nice. good, good on you. And I sold that two times over. Like uh, I sold another lot, about fifty bucks worth of comics to another guy. And uh, then little sales throughout the day. And um, if someone just wanted one, I'm like, mate, have it. You know, yep. Have it for a handshake, you know. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, so I but was, that was, was cool. Happy. There were quite a few young kids yes. that kind of came. And like for that price, they're getting hours of entertainment in terms yeah. of reading, you know, well, for five bucks or something. Well, for that mm-hmm. price as well, you could go home, rip all the pages out and decoupage your uh, coffee table with the artwork, yeah. you know. Uh, there's some quality art in there and even I uh, use the cover pages or whatever. Like, yeah. I just think uh, you're not going to find anything cheaper than that. Yeah. You, you cost more on printing the p- pictures <laughs> off the internet. Uh, exactly. So uh, I, I was happy to see it. Uh, yeah. My drop boxes went from two to one. So yep. I was very happy with that that sales alone and just to, so I'm not lugging those comics around for so much. Wonderful. All right, it's time to head into our last segment. May the force be with you. Wise man say, forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. As you can see. Well, very apt that that was the Joker from 1989 <laughs> finishing off that segment intro, saying, as you can see, I'm a lot happier now. Interesting to see how happy Arthur Fleck gets at the end of this Joker film. But we are talking Joker today. This has gotten a lot of media attention. And Todd Phillips has done super well on a production budget of $55 million. Just quickly to recap on what this film is about. It's set in Gotham City in 1981. And a mentally troubled comedian, Arthur Fleck, is disregarded and mistreated by society. The film is about him embarking on essentially a downward spiral of revolution and bloody crime as his path brings him face-to-face with his alter ego, the Joker. This film I've heard described as an indie film, more so than it is a comic book film. Obviously, it showcases one of the greatest comic book villains of all time, and it is an absolutely incredible experience. I don't know if I came out of this film feeling good and feeling happy. <laughs> it was intense. It was an emotional ro- roller coaster. It was very, very deep. It had a number of levels that it touched on. 
It was thought-provoking. It was absolutely brilliantly produced and brilliantly acted. It was powerful. Very, yeah, very was powerful. powerful. Very, very, very powerful. And confronting, yes. And I, I hear that in the US it's gotten a lot of criticism because perhaps it explores th- some themes that maybe people in the US are broadly not necessarily very comfortable with having the spotlight shone on. Because it is, it does talk a lot about the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. It does talk a lot about the divide between rich and poor yeah, and how, I guess, maybe people that are not understood by society are treated or mistreated, perhaps. So it is, I don't know if, if you know, they do see that as a reflection on their society and that may be a criticism to something. Oh, yeah. Or if there's maybe some concerns about how the story and how, I guess, Arthur's actions could be mimicked in a sense by yeah. certain people. I there's a lot there's to this. There's a combination this. Of, of many things. I think there's lessons and take out lessons, not just for, for the US, but for, for Western societies in general or societies in general around how we treat uh, perhaps the less powerful in society and people experiencing inequality. That does not excuse the the violence that you know a perpetrator of of violence would would commit like like Arthur. So I'm not in any way saying that makes it okay. Just that sometimes you know there are consequences which may or may not be violent consequences, but there are consequences um, when it comes to the harm of someone. When, for example, uh, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen the film. Well, I was just when, just before you go there, I was going to say, are we going to try? Because uh, Honestly, I don't think you can. I don't almost. think you can really, and yeah. and it's almost uh, difficult insofar as it's not a linear movie, yeah. right? So in in a lot of ways, so it's hard to spoil it. But I just I think for the listeners yeah. out there, if you haven't seen it, now's probably a good time to switch off because yeah. it's we're going to be jumping all over the place and, and straight into it. Darren, I think as so. You um, yeah, good call, Frank. Um, so w- there are consequences to things like if you're cutting funding to a program that's helping. Arthur, like, there's a social worker in there, and, and there's he's on meds, and clearly she's monitoring his state of mind. He's asked to produce a diary. If you're going to cut, if the society is going to make a decision to cut a program like that, due to, or redirect funding, or mm. issuing tax cuts, people need to think what the long term ramifications are both for society and individuals when when a decision like that is taken, particularly someone who you would have to classify as incredibly vulnerable. Yeah, I was going to ask, because when that scene happened and the bit we're talking about, when she basically goes, look, this will be our last meeting because, you know, they've cut our funding and you were the person I thought of, Darren, because I'm like, this is going to resonate with Darren something fierce. I'm very curious. I mean, It's the meeting of of two great things for me, (laughs) or three really, because it touches on, on my love of pop culture, my love of um, social work, for those who don't know, I, I work in, in the human yeah. services and have a social work um, degree and, and background in it. And also it touches on the political context of social justice and how we treat the vulnerable yeah. in society. So it hit like the three main strands of Darren, I guess. It's yeah, a very absolutely. powerful scene in the sense that he confesses to really only having negative thoughts. And yep. when you take a look and they flip through the pages of that journal... It's quite. It's he's he's disturbed. And he's very he's disturbed. disturbed. And, and when when the and it is an extreme. Like this is a still at its heart. It's a fantastical tale based on a comic book. So this is an probably an exaggeration of what might happen in reality. But it still serves that lesson as you talked about, Darren. But it really resonates as he's basically saying, "I need help." Yeah. And they're going to take away not only the counselling service but also the medication. And he's on 
quite a bit of medication to help. They don't diagnose his condition or his mental illness, and I think they do that deliberately not to yes. pigeonhole it. But, yeah. you know, I guess the, the he's thing clearly is on meds, so he's on meds. And yeah, it's and, tr- and we've heard that he has an acquired brain injury, and we've seen the little card that he has uh, when he yeah, laughs at inappropriate... Just, just on that. So my interpretation of his laughs, aside from the whole brain injury, and this could well be because of the brain injury, he can't cry, so he laughs. It's yeah. That, that was my okay, interpretation. Yeah, I, I, you know, he like he gets paid out, or he gets you know bullied by the other people, or he gets um, shocked by the yeah. the mum saying, "Don't talk to my son," and he's like, "Oh,", oh. so he relapses into an emotional. Barrier. Yeah. He puts up a mo- and he, That's he his laughs. response. He yep. laughs, yeah. and I just, I, I love that. It, I thought it was brilliant. I loved it because it was so inappropriate at times, yeah. and yet that was his only go-to thing, and he couldn't help himself. Yeah, like and, it was, his, and that's why. Sorry, yeah, no, you, right. that's why I attribute it to to crying because you can't stop crying, and he therefore on the flip side he couldn't stop laughing. Yeah, and it's interesting that the different types of laughs yes. you got. You got that one where he was clearly trying to stop himself, and yep. you could see him. He's clutching his throat. He's almost making the noises trying to stop himself and then there was other times in the movie where he's just he's got almost the real insane laugh going you're like we've gone from feeling sorry that oh this guy's got this condition and that's really bad to oh my god that laugh is creeping me yeah, out because like, I, I think that's a laugh between oh I'm so emotionally burnt I'm yeah. crying but I can't show crying I show laughter instead yeah. and then the flip side is okay I'm actually I think this is funny I think this is a, a black comedy to me yep. so I'm this is I'm seeing the funny side of it so that's when you see the other portrayal of an actual laughter mm. and that was that's my two distinct yeah absolutely things. the other one that really got me was I think he's in the room with these other clown buddies and one of them says something that is meant to be a punchline and he sort of laughs as he's exiting the room and then he rounds the corner and he just stops dead yes. almost mid laugh and that's where you go I don't think he actually found that funny. He was doing yes. that because that's what you do in that situation. It, it and he's be a part of the... Yeah, and I think by that stage in the film, he's he's coming off his meds, so he's realising he's he's a bit more lucid, he's a bit more sharp and, as to what's going on around him. So I think the other interesting point to touch on that hasn't had quite so much attention that I thought might have is, um, and I apologise to American listeners who are going to hate me for bringing this up, but the ease to get a gun. You know, he was just handed yeah. a gun from a mate that got it from God knows where. But, you know, is this really the kind of person you want having a gun? Well, I think also that speaks to when the film was set. We said it was 1980s. And yes, it's it's very clear that it's set in Gotham. But really, when you look at it, it's New York in the 1980s. Yeah, right? That's what it is. They they had issues with, as you see in the opening scene of the film, trash building up on the streets, a class borderline class warfare, you know, the, the, the Wolf of Wall Street types mm. and, the, and the people in the slums doing it hard. That happened in New York in the 1980s, so it was a real speaking to that, and no doubt how easy it was for people to get a gun then, you know, and let's not speak to how the American gun laws at the moment, but, you know, I think that didn't shock me, I don't think. No, no, it didn't shock me. Even when the film was set, yeah. I I really like that depiction of Gotham, seeing it from the Joker's side, seeing the slums, right? Because in all the other films, you've seen the dark alleys, the shadows, you know, but you've never seen the trash piled up as high as the doorways. You've never seen the graffiti, not just on one wall but every single place they go they can't even get it they, they're going up the escal- the um the lift and it's just stopping all the time yeah. and just it's it's so rickety it's almost as if oh they're going to get stuck in the elevator but somehow it somehow it keeps going uh, i just i love that depiction because 
it was just it, it painted Real. the picture mm. of how um, below uh, you know regular the class, regular social yeah. class, yeah, 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 they were they were, yeah. and uh, what sort of uh, avenues they had to to lean on, sort of thing. It was a really interesting portrayal, as you say. The majority of the film was shot from that perspective, shot from the slum perspective. But there were a few scenes and they really contrasted when you did go to Wayne Manor yes. or you did yeah. go to the theatre yep. and to some of the more opulent events. And that contrast was really noticeable. And as well, the way Thomas Wayne and the way, I guess, the elite in this movie were portrayed were less than flattering. I know there's a couple of comments that sort of, you know, almost Darren mentioned before we started recording that Thomas Wayne is almost portrayed as the villain in this film yep. and bear in mind take it with a pinch of salt because this film is very much an unreliable narrator story yeah. we are getting it from the view of the Joker from Arthur Fleck but a lot of you know he does come across as being potentially the bad guy with some of the comments and some of his behaviours well, he's certainly but- governed by his own privilege I guess and, and one of the statements that struck me was when he was on the television he's clearly campaigned um, for, for me, let's not miss words on that. So he's a political candidate and everything should be viewed from that populist prison. But he makes a very clear statement in regards to his employees who he gives a disclaimer of never never having met. But these were good people. And then he goes on to say they were, you know, they were, they were educated people that were basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, professionally employed. And that's the measuring stick for it. A good person. You've got a good um, job, therefore you've got you're a, a good, good job, person. and you're well educated. So you, so you must be of good character. And let's be fair, Thomas Wayne's not the first person in society to to, to showcase that view. It's very confronting for a lifelong Batman fan to hear someone like Thomas Wayne say that. But um, well, see, Donald Trump's got a good job, but that doesn't mean he's a necessarily good person, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, any Trump supporters that might be listening. Uh, but, but look, basically, it, it's can it. I found that incredibly confronting. I think I was meant to. I think that was meant to. That was meant to sort of jarring. get people thinking because, you know, we, we can say that about all of us in the room. But as I made the point before, what makes us good is our character, not not our and our behaviour towards others, not. You know, whether we're working in a job, whether we're professional in a professional job, whether we're educated, they're not the things that make us good people. It's how we treat others and ourselves that mm. that really determine our character. Yeah, very good comment. I found some moments in this. This mo- for me, for the most part, this was uh, a very powerful, very confronting film. A lot of I mean, a wonderful performance by Joaquin Phoenix. It was absolutely mesmerizing. He did a perfect job. I thought everyone's performance I, it was flawless, actually. You, you are right. I think it was cast. His mother was incredible as well. Yeah, fr- uh, it was Francis Conroy that yeah. did Penny Fleck. Uh, Zazie Beetz was wonderful as Sophie, Sophie Dumond or the neighbor. And I think for me, Robert De, De Niro played the role of the TV host and, and almost Murray, father yeah. figure to Arthur Fleck. He he absolutely idolised this this TV host, Murray Franklin. Mm. Um, did a wonderful job uh, of portraying that. I think he, he he did it perfectly, and it was just the right just the right amount had believability and all that. Yeah, in couldn't there. agree more. But but then um, uh, Murray Fla- uh, sorry, what's his name? Murray, um, Murray Franklin. Franklin. Murray Franklin sort of bullied him in, yeah. on national TV. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah, ridicules him. Yeah. His, yeah. It's a gag. Yeah. The, the yeah. comedy yeah. appearance yeah. where yeah. he. He literally goes into that laughing fit. And that scene 
it's painful yes. to watch. Yeah. Like you really, you feel for him. Yep. No one's laughing. I don't think a lot of shows do that though. Particularly yeah, true. reality oh, shows. Oh, true. But yeah. even even uh, tonight shows and 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 shows like that, um, late night talk shows. I've 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 noticed at least historically. I haven't watched them in recent years, but historically, I used to do that a lot. They used to 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 make fun and vilify people. And certainly in Australia, we had a show called the Footy Show, and we used to have a thing called Street Talk, and that's pretty much all that was. It yeah. was finding people randomly on the street, sticking a microphone and a camera in them, and encouraging them to to make a joke out of themselves that they weren't aware they were making. Yes. And mm. and um, I used inverted commas for those who don't can't see our podcast, but so I found that very that resonated with me, particularly when you consider this was 1981. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and uh, sorry. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to say is uh, the the whole uh, sort of uh, dream sequence of the relationship between him and Zazie Betts. Mm. What what was real and what was not was was okay. What, I've got some yeah, very good thoughts on. Okay, okay cool. so there's some yeah, theories on I this. It. I do yeah. want to touch on the what was real, what was yes. not real. Yeah. In my mind, as I'm watching this film, so the very first official dream sequence we get in this. Now you can take interpretations, but I'm going to say the dream sequence that the producers wanted us to know was a dream sequence was when he sits down with his mum, the the show comes on yeah. with Murray Franklin, and all of a sudden he's in the audience, yes. right? Yes, 100%. It's, it's yes. 100% his dream. It yep. shows it cutting back to him watching it on TV. 100% dream. We then get the Sophie Dumond, Zazie Beetz character yes. come on the scene. We see her first up in the lift where she's with her daughter yes, yes. and the lift crashes and she points the gun to her head and basically says, I'm in a crap hole. Yep. You know, yep. this is I've pretty bad. Day. I've had a crap oh, day. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is, yep. and that's it. And from then I knew yep. based on Arthur and his state, Everything he wasn't, was, I knew, I knew those scenes real. were, were not mm. real. Um, and I had, I had a friend that did mention some, you know, something along the lines of you don't know what's real and you don't want know what's real and what's not what's real. Not, yeah. So when that happened, I'm like, oh, this is a not real scene. Now, when you get to the kind of the the moment where Reveal. it's revealed, mm. it goes back to all those sequences and shows yes, you that yes. she wasn't yep. there. Yep. Yep. So much like the Murray Franklin show. The producers tell you these were the scenes yep. that he had in his mind yeah, that were not correct. The delusions. Correct. And I think for me, that's where you draw the line, yep. right? You draw yep. the line at that point because, because that's. Because then, then later on in the film, he bursts into her room and she's like, get the hell out of here. That yeah. was real. Yeah. 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 That, that was real. Yeah. That was real. Because, because everything previously he was he in made his head, it up. he thought yeah. that they had this beautiful relationship going. Correct. And yes. also, you just don't burst into someone's room, no matter if it's a girlfriend or not. <laughs> yeah. You just... And he was pretty much naked. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. and to... Sorry. Um, uh, the fact of how skinny he oh, was. Like, you could see his, it was his disturbing. Um, rib cage right? and yeah. spine and... Oh, God. That is dedication to yes. the character, built on to the character. Yeah. I, I just... Yeah. That's... that's um. Uh, machinist style. Yes, oh, it absolutely. is. It's, it's it's tribute to the the acting quality of Joaquin yes. Phoenix for this role to do that. But there, I had heard some people say, "Well, the whole film's in his head," or yeah. you know, when he when he spoke to the social worker and he said, 
Ola have his negative thoughts. At that point, he was committed to Arkham, and everything else that transpired was just oh, in his like, head. Like, like sucker punch style. Well, do you know, what, yeah, style, do you know yeah. where that comes from? There's a scene, and I think it's in that, it's, it's a part of that scene where I think they mentioned, yes, you were committed to Arkham, and it's very quick, but all of a sudden, you're in like the white sort of psych ward, and you see him smash his head into like a window, like three or four times. And the theory, and not that I necessarily agree with it, but that theory is, is that that's real, him in the asylum. And everything from that point to right at the end of the film where he's back in the asylum, everything in between is all made up. Right. That's the theory. Yeah. I don't... Uh, to trans- I, like, I, like trans- I kind of yeah, agree with, yeah, yeah. with how Trent's yeah. done it, but is that, that's the thing. Because, I think that's... Because that's, we are dealing yeah. with someone who has these sorts of conditions and... And and isn't even taking out the Arthur Fleck thing. The Joker, historically throughout all comic books, is the most unreliable narrator. Yes, you, know, you look correct. at all the comics. Heath Ledger did it very well. He told his own origin how, story how three different times. Yeah, how did I get these scars? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I think that was a really good. It's clever. It's very yeah. very clever. Uh, the one bit that has me concerned, and this is sort of delving delving back towards more the political side of it. There was a lot of fears going into this that, as Darren sort of touched on, that this was going to. I think in, encourage sort of behavior from people as far as maybe it was Trent, sorry. Yeah. Um, but encourage, you know, people to, to act out. There's there's a real sort of social divide in America at the moment. There's a very much an us and them mentality. And this movie speaks a lot to that. And one of my concerns going into it was this guy's a villain. We all know that. Anyone with sort of, you know, the head screwed on the right way knows that. But there are a group of people out there who will look at that and go, that. That's awesome. I want to be well, that. that. That's mm. really interesting. That because I don't. I certainly don't want to be. No, I'm not Arthur saying anyone Fleck. here. No. And and I think the portrayal of this version, like you, you look at the portrayal of maybe the Heath Ledger Joker, and people mm. look at that and go, he's cool, or he's dynamic, or he's got this guy has serious issues, and his medical condition or his mental illness or illnesses that he does have are probably not something people generally aspire to. So you don't I don't necessarily know if you're going to look at this character yeah, and go I want to be him. I think there's a point maybe where he turns yeah. and when he's dressed up as the Joker at the end and he's on the yes. Murray Franklin show, he's got a he is now the Joker yeah. and he's got a different confidence and he's almost a different character and that way that's, that's acting big... on his impulses or he's been wronged and acting out and acting violently against people that he feels have wronged him. And murdering him, he murders his mother, he murders his father figure in Murray Franklin on national TV, he murders the three guys on the subway, he murders that guy, the clown in his room. And uh, that sequence of him killing Murray Franklin was just insane. Yeah. Mm. It was just so... So tense, isn't it? You You could see it coming. Yeah, you could see it coming, but when it did happen, it was was still shocking. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, that... Yeah, I get the the concern, right? Like, it's a genuine... And you're exactly right. Nobody wants to be you know and it's very clear that Arthur Fleck as a character has issues but you're right there is that turn and honestly this again goes back to Phoenix's amazing performance it's the walk when he makes that yeah. switch when he turns off his emotions and his humanity let's say he's just got the strut you know he's no longer shuffling with yep. like half a limp he's got the strut he's got the cigarette out of his mouth and he's suddenly he's the boss the scene that really got me as 
as glorifying this it was right at the end where he's been broken out of the cop car and he has this mob of people emulating him clown mask mm. chanting his name and he's doing that weird the dancing sequences i never understood any of them and maybe i haven't done enough drugs in my time but i just it never resonated with me i'm sure that'll win him an oscar for those dance scenes alone but that scene of him on the car with the crowd i just went oh that's dangerous like and i'm really hoping that you know the way it's written that hey, this guy's not the hero and there are these sort of, you know, mental issues and society issues around. I really hope that doesn't inspire, yeah. you know, someone to do something stupid, basically. Well, just, just on oh, the sorry, I do, sorry, you go first. On the flip side, similar thing happened with Harley Quinn. So every girl wanted to be Harley Quinn after Suicide Squad. Mm. And a lot of people, like hardcore uh, comic fanatics and things, said Harley Quinn is not someone to look up to. Harley mm. Quinn is not... Someone to be Jeez, a fan yeah, of, yeah, to, to yeah. let your daughter go to school and book week wearing a Harley Quinn costume. But <laughs> wow. That, but that was what was happening. Yeah. Every, yeah. It, you know, you saw that year of Halloween and Absolutely. whatever else. Everyone wanted to be Harley Quinn. And every, people are like, hang on, Harley Quinn is not a person to... And that's, that's on a very low scale. I think it's to a, what, Suicide Squad's a very different movie. No, of course. Yeah, but, yeah. but just taking the, uh, the, character. the yeah. uh, character and idealisms of Harley Quinn... Uh, and you know her being having the partner of Joker and Joker, um, you know beating her and yeah, you know yeah. like all the treat the way he treats, treats her, her and things. Yeah. Just she's not someone to be idolised and you know uh, and and that you know to a, to a adolescent person. Yeah. Um. But and and to that ex- uh, effect, that's why people may you know look at the Joker. Sort yeah. Of thing. yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to to touch on on what. Ben and Frank and Trent have all said I get why people have concerns about violence I personally think it I've always felt the perpetrator is responsible for any violence and blaming a film or a video game or a comic book or book or song is is a or any form of art is a bit of a cop out at the end of the day we're responsible for for, for the you know cho- choices we make particularly when it comes to violence towards others but what I'm hoping this, the legacy of this film will be is that people will maybe think a little more about how we treat people and, and maybe be a little kinder, a little more respectful and, and also just a little more open. If if someone gives an indication that they may be struggling, maybe take a few minutes out to have a chat with them. Put them in touch with, with Lifeline if you're in Australia or, or um, a counselling service depending on what part of the world you're in or or, you know, if, if you think they need that, or just, you know, even just saying hello to your neighbours and, and, and that, just being a little more kinder and, and, and that, because the other thing that struck me about Arthur is just how socially isolated he was apart from his mother. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't doesn't cost anything to just, you know, spend a couple of minutes or a few minutes, you know, every other day just checking in on someone and, and being there for someone and knowing that, letting them know that they matter too. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of have to laugh at the irony of the moral of the story of a Joker film is be nice to each other. Be nice to clowns. I know clowns. what you're saying. Yep. <laughs> yeah. the be nice to clowns. That's right. <laughs> now that's and that is, I think, the way you have to view this film, and and certainly that is, in my view, the legacy of the message is more that I know there's always a concern with art. Art should be able to stand alone and art should be able to tell these stories and these messages without the fear of kind of wondering, well, what impact is that going to have? That should be the way we yeah. view it. But there is a, that concern has been a real thing. I do want to touch on one or a couple of sequences because, and make a note of the fact that in this film, 
the Joker or Arthur Fleck is not funny. I don't think he lands a single joke. And, and maybe the one joke he does land when Zazie Beats comes to his apartment and says, were you following me today? And we're planning on robbing the bank. And, and he, he sort of said, yeah, well, yeah. kind of I was. It's kind of the only funny thing he says in this whole movie to anyone that lands as a joke. But I found some, some, some within a very almost somber and thought-provoking film, a couple of really funny moments. I do want to touch on them because I thought they were brilliant. The first one was at the children's hospital when he's <laughs> dancing around and doing his yeah. act. And I think he does a very good clown act. Mm. And then he drops the gun and, you know, he's, it's, it Ooh. flies across the floor yeah. and he scuttles to get it. And then when he does it, he does the whole sort of... Yes, yeah, that and was good. A very, very <laughs> clever scene I thought was brilliantly done, followed by him getting fired, essentially, in the phone booth. Yeah. But another brilliant scene is when he's waiting outside the hospital with his mum and the, the cops come and approach him and, and they basically say, it's this whole laughing thing again. And he goes, what do you think? Flicks the cigarette and walks straight into the glass door. <laughs> and they're like, hey, 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 fella. It's, ex- it's exit only, you know, like, just rub it in. <laughs> it's like, but, you know, in a, in a movie that isn't, you know, all, all laughs and yeah. gags and comedy, not it does have those moments. Yeah, but and not from to the break, break the tension a bit. Break yeah. the tension a bit, for sure. And the movie they choose when they do go to the theatre and Arthur is breaks in and kind of dresses up as the, the usher is one of the very old Charlie Chaplin sort of... Uh, black and white yeah, films where he's, mm-hmm. where he's doing his sort of slapstick comedy and certainly for me that whole clown routine in the hospital was very reminiscent of Charlie of Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin yeah. and his acting style style in there so I thought that was a, some, some very very good scenes to call out I think for me this portrayal this portrayal of the Joker is so different to any other portrayal we've had but it is such a wonderful portrayal in my mind of, of a character and I think it, it works for it's explaining a backstory, it's a legitimate story. Yeah, they, they were very clever, I think, on choosing the Charlie Chaplin movie because you you imagine it, you, what you would have thought if they were showing Jaws or if they were showing yeah, Sound of Music or yeah. showing Two Thousand One Space Odyssey or something. You know, <laughs> something like completely left field that yep. probably people would have lined up to see. Uh, maybe not in eighty one, but you know what? I'm, yeah, I'm just a blockbuster yeah. films type thing. So it was clever to for them to showcase something uh, completely op- opposing to yes. what he's trying to, you mm. know, become or he does become, I should say. Yeah. What do we think of the just quickly before we sort of wrap up? We're we're heading towards out of time here, but the 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 very obvious that the Batman setup, right? I tell you, if there's one thing um, that I would change about this movie, I don't need to see Martha and and yeah. and what's dad's name again I don't need to see Martha and Thomas die for the 50 millionth time on screen it's just not necessary all you had to do and it's a really simple edit as soon as you see that that marquee on the cinema I said it's Zorro I'm like I know where this is going brilliant I like it you see them leave the cinema and it, it makes so much more sense than they just happen to take a shortcut through crime alley sorry rubbish rich people don't do that they have the car pull up the front for them right but in the context of the riot yes let's make an exit down this the, little alleyway made and, a lot of sense yeah, in the context of yeah the riot. and then the clown who's you know all this chaos is happening and he's on the corner and he follows them and then that's where you cut it and then the very next scene which where you would see yep. bruce wayne so you Stand. can is right at the very end where arthur's sort of laughing oh what's the funny joke yeah oh you wouldn't get it and you see bruce wayne and the two bodies there that's it you didn't need to see the, the, the pearl necklace go flying. No. And, and it's a symptom yeah. of... That is just a symptom of having seen it so much before. And that yeah. that's what 
detracts from it. In isolation, if you were to just watch that film, I think that scene would be a lot more powerful. And I think some people will just watch sure. that film that are not as familiar with, with the Batman mythologies, the people in this room. I think the Frank edit makes a lot of sense. I did like, however, the comment where he goes, that's what you effing, yeah. you get what you effing deserve. Yeah, and he, he, he replicates exactly what Joker said on the Murray Franklin show. Yeah. That, to me, tied in the fact that, in a way joker kind of killed or set up the movement yep. that led to the death of thomas and martha wayne yep. and i did like the riot because for once it finally made sense to me why they were going down that alley yep. because they were rushing to get out of this Probably riot situation more sense in 1939 than what it sure. did in our lifetime sure when it, when it was originally devised but i get what you're saying yep mm. I do want to touch on one thing before we do wrap this episode of Toy Power, and that is what this film is grossing. So as we said in the intro, $55 million budget, it essentially is a very art house film, uh, can be done for those lower budgets, but this is cracked, a half a billion dollar mark, and it's yep. rocketing upwards of $550 million. There is some talk that this might get to a billion dollars, which would be an absolutely amazing accomplishment for a film of this type. Well, it's only essentially been out for two weeks. Yeah, so yeah that's it's crazy. And, and it's already crazy done that amount much, of money so. already. And I think it's the sort of movie, as we've talked now, uh, Ree went and saw it with me and she's like, walked out thinking, no, nah, I don't think I need to see that again. It was full on. The next day, yeah, I need to see yeah, that again. You talk you it know, through, and, don't you? And, and for, I need to see it again for those to, working yeah. out where the dream sequences, you know, just mm-hmm. to get a better uh, grasp a better of it. Like, because yeah. I, I, I agree with what you said with the dream sequence, but I want to, I want to really hone yep. in on it just yeah. so I can see it again. To, Make your own mind. Yeah. And what is so? There's a couple of things that are, are deliberately unresolved. One is what happened to Zazie Beats in the apartment. We don't see the outcome of yeah. of Arthur Fleck in there. So there's, you know, what happened to the daughter? What yeah. happened to to Sophie Demond or, or Zazie Beats? The other one is the very final sequence of him walking out of that social worker interaction that yeah. he has mm-hmm. in Arkham, and all of a sudden you see these foot, you see this red on his feet, and I yeah. thought, what, what is this? Almost like a they're back in crate in no, the blood s- trail. I know, yeah, I know that's yeah, what it was. Yeah, it's the blood yeah. trail. It wasn't yeah. the fact they're on an ice planet with a red <laughs> underneath, yeah. um, like Luke was when he didn't have the red footprints. Um, but yeah, that, you know, what's he done to that that social worker? Mm. You know, to create a pool of blood. Well, I, I was almost mm. waiting for oh, that's going to be Harley Quinn. That's you know, uh, but it, yeah, I assumed that it, she was dark skinned. So I she thought, was, yeah. no, yeah. She's not she looked a lot like the very first social worker. Yes, I my know, wife thought a... she was the same person. I'm like, I'm I'm 99 sure they were two different actors, yeah. but they yeah, were absolutely designed right, to yeah. look. Like similar, similar, I got characters. the impression that maybe that was just how Arthur saw it looking yes. for Arthur's yeah, eyes. Yeah, maybe it's how he saw the help giver as perhaps yeah, yeah as some His perception. Yeah, yeah mm. so that that was just my sense of it. I just wanted to to um, give a quick shout out to the people that I went to see this with um, last night because I promised them I would. Philip Doherty and uh, Margarita Practon. Um, I. Promise you a shout out, and you promise to listen. So um, <laughs> please honour that. 
<laughs> and what did you say to them as you left? You go, you know, on a scale of one to ten, how much did you enjoy I, that film? I didn't ask them on a scale of one to ten. It was more a case of, so how did you, how did you enjoy that? And the responses I got was, enjoy was a very strong word. Um, but, uh, Philip said he liked it though. Yeah. Um, I think that's the summary. Is I came out of this, and and I know Frank, you mentioned it was sort of rattling around in yeah. your head I was for a while trying after. To be provocative. No, no, I I, <laughs> yeah. I get that, but it's a really good. It, I think to me that's the summary of this film. It's not an easy watch in the sense that you can go into a Marvel film, sort of not necessarily park your brain at the door, but just get into that escapism and it's be not told a comfortable a story. watch. Yeah, this this is yeah. not a comfortable well, watch. It's confronting. It makes you feel things. Don't think it was meant to be. Again, it's that. No, it wasn't meant to be. Of course, it wasn't meant to be. Look at ourselves. There was Correct. there was advertisements going out, and this is coming from above. Yep. Like this is coming from the screen people saying, "Don't take the kids to no. it. They yeah. won't enjoy it. It doesn't even have Batman in it." Yeah. Like, yeah. So and that's exactly. you know that pole. Like how cool was that? <laughs> but like you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like. They're, they are saying that before we've even it's even out on cinema screens well, Te- telling the yep. the wider it's public audience yeah. it's not a kids movie but also uh, admitting hey it doesn't have Batman in it don't expect Batman to be yeah. in it well we, you know, we to, knew that because oh, we saw we in the trailer that, that like, Batman was we, I think that was a pretty yeah. big Be- statement to, to yeah. say yeah. to the wider public that aren't sure about it oh it doesn't have Batman in it well why do I want to see Joker without Batman well they don't need those viewers because they've already made half a billion dollars (laughs) but they did I know they did it before I know I know it's right to manage expectations because parents would want to take their kids and and you can't take you've got to can I urge anyone seeing a film should look at the rating because if it's an MA15 plus you shouldn't be taking anyone below below 15 so if you see a a 7, 8 year old kid that's not fair on the kid to put them through that film I mean those that I was genuinely impacted by both sort of the subway scene the scene in Arthur Fleck's apartment with the two clowns and the Murray Franklin scene they were very confronting I was impacted within 10 so minutes of the film when he gets whacked by the cardboard sign yeah I was like whoa that was that was hard and that sort of left a precedent of what to expect for the rest of the film and then he was expected to replace it out of his own yeah like like, that was that was made of gold or something and you know like you need to you know that was that was a holy grail sign like you But, but I love that. I love yeah. that. You know, like it's just a cardboard sign. The, the but, bit that follows yeah. directly that when he's lying on the ground oh. right before the title card comes out and he's just, he's still, and I think he's almost muttering something to himself and then his little clown yeah, flower, the flower just spurts out, yeah. just this really just... sad little trickle of water and you're like, oh, oh man. And yeah. then, I don't know if you noticed, but when the title card comes up, you know, it's full screen yep. like yes. Joker. Yes. It's actually, it's actually out of focus. Like it's not sharp. It's deliberately a bit hazy and a bit, and maybe that's a tribute to you just got bashed in the head. But I think that's that speaks to the overall film where you, you you're almost trying to focus on something and you can't, which yep. is you know pretty much speaks to the whole film. And even that Warner Brothers logo was old like timey. the old school eighties, yeah. yeah. Original Police Academy style yeah. logo. It was yeah. brilliant. I mean right. that that those title cards and that sort of thing was done. Very, very well. Felt like it was shot as an 80s film. Yeah. So yeah. we have to round out yeah. this episode with a score. Yep, so 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, oh, yeah. 9 out of 10 out of IMDb, 59% on Metacritic. What do you think, Trent? This Ooh. film, I have to out of give 19. this out of, 19. out of 19. It's a 17 out of 19. It's bordering on 18 for me. I, I don't give it quite that, that rating because... I didn't get that kind of enjoyment factor, but it hit me on pretty much every other mark. It's a quality film that I'm going to have to go back and see again. So I'm going to give it a solid 17 out of 19. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go sixteen. Um, just from the, the, that, it loses a couple of points for that sort of social commentary thing I was I sort of talked about earlier. And for me, I think, well, cool movie, but is now the best time to bring out something like this? <laughs> Question. And I know you know filmmakers can't be held responsible for that sort of thing, but um, yeah, it's I'm. Uh, to the point of how much money he's making I'm in no rush to go and see it um, because a, a second time because I just sort of oh, I don't know I, it, it didn't sit it didn't or, sit comfortably yeah, with me yeah, which I guess is kind of watch. kind of the yeah, point yeah, so yeah 16 yeah I am a fan of bleak movies right? <laughs> I, I'll be quite honest about that so you're, a, you're a road fan aren't you yes, <laughs> yes very much very, yeah. I, I look for those things that are going to impact me and yep. shock me you know and I, make and, you think yeah, they, uh, yeah, Donnie Darko, yep. um, yeah. you know, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind, those sort of wacky movies. Uh, I There was a point where I heard this movie was coming out, Wicked, can't wait to see it, DC, finally getting on track again. Then there was a lull, didn't hear much about it, you know, and I thought, you know what, I'm not excited about this anymore. Mm. With all the Marvel stuff coming out, how yep. cool is Marvel? Marvel just cannot go wrong. And then I started seeing trailers and I'm like, bloody hell, this movie looks so <laughs> cool. Solid 18 out of 19. Yep. I, I really enjoyed it. As I said, I like these sort of bleak films, and um, it's sort of my, uh, yeah, thing. Nice. Darren? And I'm going to go 18, 18 and a half. Um, okay. For me, the social commentary was very relevant. I know, I know people have their concerns about that, but I, I think it's a conversation that society, as a society we need to be asking ourselves about how we, how we treat others. Again, that's not to say that, that violence is ever justified or that... Um, anyone other than the perpetrator is responsible for violence, but just we need to be treating people with with more compassion, and and it makes you think about compassion versus compassion fatigue. So eighteen and a half for me, it would have been a nineteen probably if I didn't find it quite so confronting that Thomas I was going to ask was Thomas, the bad guy, the Thomas bit. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask no, what lost at the half point. <laughs> yeah, it would have been nineteen. Um, <laughs> if if it had been some other big bad rich dude like a Max Shrek kind of character. It would have been a 19. There you go. Wonderful. There you go. There is our review of The Joker. And if you do want more analysis on The Joker, hit up DC on screen. The boys there did a two-hour episode first up. That's Jason and Dave. And then they got back one of their Patreons to go through another couple of hours on analysis. (laughs) So you can get twice. Twice the it's amount of analysis of the actual it's... film itself. Exactly. Um, but I've been I've been going through that, and they do it they do it absolute justice in their analysis. So if you want more, go check out DC on screen. On that note, we do have a shout out to one of our newest patrons, and it is long time or really binge listener of Toy Power, Rich Rampage, <laughs> who was so wonderful and, and reached out to us a, a couple of months back found us and just binged all the Toy Power episodes. So thank you so much, Rich, for coming on as a patron can't wait to see you on the discord yeah definitely man get it get on to it yeah Mm. welcome to welcome to the family wonderful and on that note thank you so much to all our patrons for your ongoing support and for all our listeners are coming back and tuning in to another episode of toy power we love your support and appreciate it and thanks to all the shout outs we got this week particularly on picking us up on all those um non-tv licensed properties that we looked at uh wonderful maybe that's the secret to success we just keep saying wrong stuff and people interact more because they correct us well that's right they help us along on our our journey (laughs) it is a journey i mean we've learned so much about toys cartoons films pop culture comics you name it since we've been doing this show so yeah thank you for assisting us on that journey yeah (laughs) wonderful on that note 
a huge thank you and we will see you around the toy aisles and until next time good journey you can find the toy power team at all the usual online places facebook.com slash toy power podcast at toy power podcast on both twitter and instagram or have your say and email us toypowerpodcast at gmail.com subscribe to the show on both itunes and stitcher and please leave us a review otherwise we just assume we're awesome we are a proud member of the giant size team up network check out all the awesome shows on this awesome network full of okay people want to learn more go to giantsizeteamup.com where you can find us and a whole lot more awesome shows well, they're not more awesome than us, but they're... Yeah. Oh, 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 oh.